Vikings trade for a new quarterback, the Twins' lone bright spot, and why the Vikings running back stable is one of the best in the NFL. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV, and on CARE 11. Happy Tuesday, Reg. Minnesota State Fair, officially right around the corner, and that means football is in the air. And all of a sudden, we got a new Vikings quarterback in the mix to talk about today. Absolutely. Should be a good... Vikings quarterback that we're talking about today. Yes, sir. Remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, give us a follow at Locked On MIN. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. And a plethora of choices over there, too. The Ron Johnson Show, the Football Party, and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe. Drop us a five-star review and take us everywhere on the go so you never miss any of the action. All right, to football we go. 15 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. And the Vikings made a move for a new quarterback yesterday. We talked about it very briefly. It was breaking news as we were recording yesterday, trading a conditional 2024 seventh round pick for backup Raiders quarterback Nick Mullins. He started 16 games in the league. 15 of those starts came in San Francisco, so under the Shanahan system. So it makes sense why Kevin O'Connell and Quasey would bring him in after they got a nice long look at him two weeks ago in that first preseason game in Vegas. Reggie, it's not like these guys grow on trees here, man. I mean, the cupboard is bare. The options were thin at this point. You're just two weeks before the season starts. And without giving up huge draft capital, too, that's the other thing you got to keep in mind. I think this move was an absolute win, a low-risk, high-reward type of outcome. What's your take adding Nick Mullins to this stable 15 days before the season? So I'm cool with it. I think he is a competent uh, backup. 17 starts, 20 games. And you may remember when he was starting for the 49ers, I mean, like, the dude looked good. They were talking about him, you know, being like the the – possible next big thing at quarterback, but he struggled with uh, turnovers. He threw 26 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. And, you know, when you can't hold on to the ball, when you can't keep the the football on your own team, then that's, that's pretty much a, a key to the downfall. But I think if you have this guy as someone who can just fill in maybe a couple times if, if something happens, you know, if they had a guy like Nick Mullins against the Packers last year, I think they had a, a little bit more of a fighting chance than they ended up having with Mannion and like a play of mind in Green Bay with their season on the line trying to get into the playoffs. And so I think when you watch that preseason game, you looked at both of these guys, Sean Mannion, Kellen Mond, and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I say yesterday on CARE 11, Neither of those guys really inspired confidence about being a guy that can step in and meaningful action behind Kirk Cousins if something were to happen to him. 
And I think it was pretty much apparent to them after the 49ers preseason game that they had to do something. The Vikings had to make a move to bring someone else in to compete. And this guy has pretty much like a, a, a streamline towards that QB2 because the production that he's had in his career, I would say, is more meaningful than either of the other two guys. And now the question becomes, do they keep three guys? Do they keep two and try to bring maybe Mond in on the practice squad? Or or, or like what what's what's the, the thinking? What's the process behind this? So I'm interested to see how it plays out. But obviously they saw him in week one when they played the Raiders in the preseason opener and they liked what they saw. There's a familiarity there between he and Quasey in San Francisco and in Cleveland. They they both were there together. And also to the offense. Now Sean McVay's offense and Kyle Shanahan's offenses are, are those are two different offenses. They have some similar, you know, things to them, but you know, Kevin O'Connell is probably a fusion of the two, being that he spent time in both of these these offenses. So I think Mullins bringing a guy like that in, and you're talking about it, you know, 15 days before the season, I think that is something that he's comfortable with because he's like, look, I think he can pretty much grasp, you know, what we're trying to do here on offense, which is kind of tough because, you know, Josh McDaniels runs a, a, a different system than Kevin O'Connell runs. And, you know, for most of this offseason, Mullins has had to try to, you know, learn that offense. And now he's kind of like, oh, shoot, now I have to reprogram my brain to think about the offense that, you know, I used to know. And so that's going to be interesting. But I think because there is some familiarity there, I think he's going to be able to kind of get acclimated quickly and and really kind of push himself up to that QB2 role. Again, 17 games started. Record's not great. 5-12. and 12. I mean, you get what you pay for sometimes, right? Practically got him for free, though, really. But in those 17 games... He's thrown for over 4,800 yards. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at here. Those are some mm -hmm. big boy numbers. Even if they did come in garbage time, I don't care. Like, for reference, over a 16-game season, the most yards Kirk Cousins has ever thrown in his career is 4,900. And he's only done that one time, despite all the high mm -hmm. praise, the good stats he's put up in 10 years. He's only done that once. In fact, the past two seasons, when experts say, you know, he's really been at his best, Kirk Cousins, that is, he's thrown for 4,200 yards. So you can just glean some good things there that Mullins has already done in his short career. And at just 1.4 mil against the cap, just a no-brainer, I think, the more I think right. about it. Great move by Kwesi here. Maybe the only knock is maybe a move like this should have been made sooner, but we're not going to go there today. Reg, <laughs> KOC system, you kind of brought this up. It comes from the Shanahan tree. It's got plenty of McVeigh tendencies as well in there. And then a mix of his own wrinkles and verbiage now, too. So how long do you think it takes Mullins to really get acclimated here and get comfortable enough to run an offense? Like, do you got him pegged to be the number two quarterback by week one? Or what's kind of the forecast you have with Mullins over these next few weeks? Yeah, I think he is primed to be QB2. But also, like, if he's going to be learning some of this offense and stuff like that, they don't plan to have to use him anytime soon. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you get someone who you feel like is competent enough to run the system if you need him to. And, and someone who can just kind of help, you know, keep things going in practice. But look, you're like, look, it's, it's, it's this close to the season. 
I don't think you expect him to have to run out there to play any type of meaningful snaps for you, uh, hopefully really at all this season, but especially at the the first part of the season, you're like, ah, you know, just we'll, we'll have him there just in case, but they don't plan to to use him in any way. And so that'll give him a little bit of time to get reacclimated to the offense and and learn it and and really just kind of get it down and and kind of keep it going from there. So as long as they don't have to use him anytime soon, you know, everything is okay with Cousins. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think about a month, maybe at the most, is about right from what we've seen in the past in a lot of similar moves like this. Similar concepts and route trees here, but different verbiage. Getting your timing and chemistry down with your offensive line and your wideouts is probably the biggest learning curve here. And that just mm -hmm. takes time, man. It's it, it just getting reps in practice. There's real no other way around it. You can't cheat it. My guess would be Mannion starts out the maybe first week or two as the backup. You just pray that you don't actually have to use them in real game action. And by quarter number two of the season, by about week three or four, Mullins is officially cemented in as that backup quarterback too. And here's mm -hmm. why I really like Mullins here too. I just think he's the perfect balance of the old vet Mannion, just kind of capped out physically on his last leg. You look at the long-term plan, Mannion's not in that window. And then you got the young developmental quarterback you're trying to groom in Mon. That's just nowhere mm -hmm. near ready yet. But that contrast and the difference between the two was just so big. It was too big. They needed a happy yeah. medium in there somewhere. And I think Mullins is the perfect happy medium here. Hey, ESPN came out with their positional rankings for the NFL and not those individual mm -hmm. players, top 10 lists like we did over the summer but actual positional groupings take a guess at what the vikings best positional grouping was on the team when it came to being the highest ranked according to espn so i would guess wide receiver but i have a feeling that it is not glad you brought that up wide out we'll get to that in a second was not far behind a close number two but the running back stable ranked third best in the entire nfl indy and cleveland the only two teams ahead of them just how hmm. much talent and how deep is this grouping for the Vikings truly? And if that really is their best position as far as talent goes, just how much running the football should we see in 2022 after all the, you know, pass, 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 heavy passing offense talk that we get in KOC system? You know, what's interesting is they put Indy ahead of um, Minnesota. And I guess really... You got Naeem Hines behind uh, Jonathan Taylor. And it's like, okay, like, I guess, okay, I guess. And so I, I think what they're really saying is that they prefer Jonathan Taylor over Dalvin right. Cook. And in my right. mind, like, look, I, I love me some JT. You know, my wife works in Indianapolis. So, like, I get a lot of Colts chatter. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty in tune with Colts coverage. You know, I watched the Hard Knocks last year. So I'm pretty privy to – Indianapolis but you know Dalvin Cook in my mind is is kind of like a one of one especially when he's fully healthy like you get that dude going and I honestly would give Minnesota the advantage over Indianapolis just because of how competent of an RB2 they have in Alexander Madison to the point where you know if Jonathan Taylor goes out for any stretch of time I don't know what that running game looks like in Indy. But if Dalvin Cook goes out for any sort of time, we've seen what the 
what the running game looks like in Minnesota is Alexander Madison stepping in and having hundred yard games. And so I would probably give them the edge over, over Indy right behind Cleveland, just because like cook is a Cadillac and Madison is probably one of the best RB twos that, that you can have. But I do think that that is a compliment to Minnesota to not only be top five, but top three in this rankings. And I think they're right in line with where they should be. They'll certainly run the ball a lot as they should. But to your point, like we brought up, you guess wide receivers, the wide receiver group for the Vikings ranked fifth on the list too. So in the top five mm. of the entire NFL, so not too far behind them. So I imagine whether it's run to set up the pass or pass to set up the run, KOC will do a very good job of trying to keep defenses guessing and have a very balanced attack given, you know, the week to week opponent and game plan. We want to know what you think of Nick Mullins trade and what's better, our running backs or our wide out stable. Go comment on the YouTube channel and let us know what you think. Remember, Lockdown Sports Minnesota gives you endless Vikings talk with local experts and now offers you a new podcast all about the Vikes. Minnesota Football Party brings together a panel of podcasters and writers with big opinions on the purple. Myself, Arif Hassan of The Athletic, Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings, and of course, Sam Ekstrom of The Ron Johnson Show. Give you an hour of Vikings talk every Monday and Thursday. Find the show wherever you get your podcast by subscribing to Lockdown Sports Minnesota or watch the show on YouTube. For free, Rich. I mean, we're giving it away. With inflation? <laughs> you kidding me, man? You, you can't beat these prices. Coming up, we're talking about the lone bright spot for the Twins and what could keep their season from sinking. But first, have you heard about Dave? Dave, tight on cash. Dave is a banking app that can help you get $500 instantly. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet. It can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. Now Dave can help you get out of that pinch when you really need it. Download the Dave app, that's D-A-V-E, sign up for an extra cash account and get $500 instantly. Terms and conditions, go to dave.com legal, instant transfer fees apply, member FDIC. All right, to baseball we go. Quick recap last night, Twins lose two to one of the Rangers, Two to one, Reg, at home, rough, beautiful conditions rough. in the backyard at Target Field. Rocco even flirts with the lineup a little bit, shakes things up, arrives one, Correa two, Bucks and three, and he can't score more than one run. <sighs> Anyways, Twins lose three or four to the Rangers. They go five and five and arguably their softest stretch they'll have the rest of the season. Can't blame this one on the pitching. Allows just two runs. Sonny Gray, another solid outing per usual. And the relief pitchers held their own. Reggie, before I get into the one lone bright spot on this team, quick thoughts on last night's game. And if what we're watching is just kind of what the Twins are at this point. Man, like, I'm, like, so, so, like, close to, like, asking the question, are the twins cooked? But it's, like, every time I think about doing that, they somehow, like, rattle off, you know, some wins and, and keep themselves in contention. And I think what's going to happen is this team is going to stick around all the way up until the end, and either they're going to sink or they're going to swim. And what's tough is they just can't find any consistency. I was in Rocco's office yesterday and I asked him, I said, when you have Sonny Gray on the mound, how much confidence does that give your team? And he talked about how it really does give the team a lot of confidence because he's a guy that goes out there and believes that he can will the team to a victory. 
but he can't do it alone. And Sonny had a, a solid performance last night. Like, it was strong. But he couldn't get any help from the bats. And you're just like, yo, all of a sudden, you know, all these guys who can produce, you know, Arise, Correa, Buxton, Polanco, all of a sudden we can't find any runs from them. And that is the frustrating part about how talented this team is. And now it seems like some of the pitching is kind of coming around, especially the starting pitching is is really kind of doing what they're supposed to do. But now all of a sudden the bats can't carry their own weight. And and now, you know, they win two of these games and they're they're tied at the top of the division with Cleveland. Like Cleveland is not running away with this division at this point. They're leaving the window open there for the Twins to jump through. And now you go against the Astros and now potentially without Buck, like now you're you're really in some trouble. And look, Carlos Correa, I don't know if it's going to take him going down and seeing like the old digs like, wow, dang, they're really doing good without me here. Huh? Shoot. I left this. Like, I don't know if it's going to take that to motivate him, but like he needs to be on a tear like for this series and for the rest of this season. You see what Albert Pujols, Paul Goldschmidt are doing in St. Louis? Like we need some type of production like that from Carlos Correa to help catapult this team to where they're trying to go or else this is going to be a very, very disappointing season when it comes to the end. And you think about how many games they had within their reach that all of a sudden they couldn't get over the hump. And now you see them not make the playoffs. Like they don't want to not make the playoffs this season because I think you look at that as just nothing but an abject failure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after they, I mean, they didn't sell the farm per se, but they gave up a lot of prospects too, just to kind of secure these yeah. middle relievers and these, you know, guys who can help close out games. So they definitely yep. pushed plenty of chips all in. So missing the playoffs would be a huge failure for sure. Yep. Pitching was great again. And what a just mind twist of a team from what we expected heading into the season. Remember that way back when, four months ago, one of our very first shows here ever on Superior Sports Talk happened to fall the first week of the MLB season and we sat here and said well get ready for a lot of double digit games they'll have to win a lot of these you know 12 to 10 this year bats are going to be great again mm -hmm. but the pitching I don't know probably going to be their downfall right their biggest weakest link absolute polar opposite from what we yeah. expected and as good as Sonny Gray's been and Joe Ryan at times by far the one lone bright spot on this roster right now the diamond in the rough the hidden gem Johan Duran without a doubt ESPN's mm. released their updated rookie rankings it's easy to forget this guy's still technically a rookie too Reg Johan Duran yeah. lands number seven on the list which I think for a relief pitcher is pretty dang impressive really when you look at some of the other names on the list there and the positions they play just how special has this guy been and what does the long-term outlook for Duran look like in Rocco's rotation in the years to come is he that eighth inning setup guy could he be a guy you try to get more aggressive with and get maybe two innings out of because he's been so good in the seventh and eighth more often what's your just quick snapshot on Duran and his potential his ceiling for the twins and his long-term future yeah I do think that they love him in a lot of different spots like I thought like okay he's the closer bring him in let him shut it down you know, but then, you know, you see Rocco throw him out there in the seventh inning, in the eighth inning. And and then now you're looking at a different pitcher in the ninth to try to close it down. And he's just like, well, I thought, you know, but I don't know if Rocco sees him as a potential like innings eater, like his stuff is so good that maybe you want to 
put them in for a couple innings rather than just bring them in for one inning? Or, you know, maybe he's a guy that, you know, down the line, you can see him coming in for the eighth and the ninth for a long save type mm. situation. Mm -hmm. Now, he does have his struggles, but I think he's it's just a part of him figuring things out. And more times than not, he's doing his thing out there. And he inspires a lot of confidence that when you put him out there, like it's pretty much shutting it down. Not necessarily like a Mariano Rivera type situation, but the guy is out there doing his thing. And I think that's something encouraging moving forward, you know, especially with how tough the bullpen has had it this season. You see a guy like that come in and you pretty much have confidence that he'll be able to get the hitters out that he need to, that he needs to. I think that inspires a lot of confidence now and for the future about him being an anchor for that bullpen. But right now, they they need him to continue to do what he does and help them, you know, kind of stabilize that that uh, pitching staff in the back end of these games because that bullpen is still rough, man. That bullpen is still rough, and I think that's a guy that you could kind of hang your hat on in the future. Him, guys like you know Theobar, and and you can you can really confidently put those guys in and, and say, hey, you guys do what you have to do so that we can stay in these games. Yeah, they showed the overlap view. Somebody I think I saw it on Twitter of his fastball and this sprinkler. It's like a hybrid splitter sinker, which. Mm. Wow, I, I thought we'd have flying cars, maybe hoverboards by now. It's 2022 <laughs> as a kid, but instead we got we got pitches called sprinklers. Okay, I'll take what I can get though. Uh, but from the you know overlap angle, when that ball is halfway to the plate, it looks nearly identical. So as a hitter, you have no idea where this thing's going to go with 0.1 wow. seconds left to make a decision. It, it's literally Nasty. just a guessing game. You know, you hope you guess right. As if hitting a hundred mile an hour fastball wasn't hard enough to right. uh, around the one lone bright spot on this team as they still just sit two games back from Cleveland. No days off. They travel to Houston for a three-game series today. Sanchez on the mound versus Verlander. No rest for the wicked Verlander on a Cy Young tour right now. Oh, One of the hottest goodness. arms in the game. Even at 39 years old, man, just wild. First pitch, 7-10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Hold on. Before you go there, it, it's, yeah, it's go still, ahead. we didn't talk a whole lot about it, but we're holding our breath on Byron Buxton. With that oh, hip bring injury. it up. Yeah, what, and he laid it. It's a hip, right? He's been kneel, dealing so he with got, the knee he got right? an, all year, and now it's a hip. So he's dealt with the knee, and, and now Rocco disclosed last night that he's actually been bothered by this hip this season as mm. well, and they just haven't talked about it. And so mm, interesting. Rocco was saying, like, look, he just loves his teammates, and he's going out there giving it everything that he has. And look, kudos to Buxton because I know – if I had the label of being an injury-prone guy, I know I would be doing everything within my power. If it's not killing me to be out there playing games with my teammates, and he has had a, a fantastic season, all things considered. He's played 91-plus games this year, so that's exciting. That That's like his, his highest total in several seasons. But look, these nagging injuries eventually catch up to you. He was just you know, out there swinging the bat in the fourth inning and all of a sudden the hip tweaked or, you know, something like that. He's out there trying to shake it off and, and you know, shout out to him. He still went out there in the next half inning and played the outfield. Went out there, tried to dive for a, a, a ball in the outfield and, and missed it. And then after that inning was over, he was out of the game. And so, you know, I think last night, 
it was a little tight in that clubhouse. Everybody's just trying to figure out what's going on with Buck as he had his MRI last night. Rocco wasn't even able to commit one way or another if he was even traveling to Houston for this series with the Astros. And so I think that part gives you a little pause if you're a fan. You're like, man, we already haven't been hitting the best. And now we potentially could not have Buck for some time. Like, I think that is a little bit scary when you talk about them being in the midst of a playoff chase, possibly not having Buxton for any period of time, whether or not it's a long period of time or short period of time. Like, just not having him at all for any stretch of time is concerning because, like I said, it is a playoff race. They are not out of it they're still in fighting range and you want to have a guy who's been your catalyst and best player all season out there and now you're just kind of tight you know we're, we're awaiting updates today on what Buxton status is and what the prognosis is for the hip but you're you're a little scared right now you know the the boots are kind of shaking a little bit as we try to figure out what's going on with him maybe this can help connect some dots or maybe it has nothing to do with one another but I know he's one of the fastest players in the league. Why does he only have six stolen bases this year? Why did he only have nine the year before? And I know he only played 39 games in 2020, but he only had two stolen bases in 2020 as well. I thought this guy was supposed to be, you know, like a Ricky Henderson type. Why is that that not only this Buxton stolen bases number seems so low for how fast he is, but the Twins in general are one of the worst teams at stolen bases as well. Just real quick as we wrap up. Any thoughts on that? I think it's the injury. Remember when he was sliding into uh, second earlier this season? That was the first time mm -hmm. he hit the, the IL stint. Just a routine yep. slide into second. I think you try to minimize his chances for injury as much as possible because you have to kind of save Buck from himself. When he goes out there, he puts it all on the line. And that's awesome to have a guy like that. But when you put it all out there on the line and, and you are prone to some of these freak injuries, it's just like, okay, Look, die for one a couple times, you know, uh, jump up mm -hmm. there for, for a ball, uh, just, you know, a couple times. But, yeah. you know, don't do that. Pick your often. battles like, here a little bit. Yeah, here. Pick, yeah, yeah. Pick, pick the battles and, and, and live to, to swing and to, you know, run another day. And I think that's probably one of the things. Like, the focus is on him as a hitter and as an outfielder, you know, he is necessarily like that five-tool player. That, that's him. But at the same time, when you have the injury concerns that you have with Buck, you're just like, look, you can't do everything. I do think if he was a guy that was like Iron Man and durable, you would see him stealing 20-plus, 30-plus bases uh, every season. But because of this injury thing, you're just like, look, let's just not. Now, I can't explain that for everybody else. You know, I think when you got a guy like Nick Gordon on the team and, and you know, some of these guys that, that you have, maybe – you see them stealing a little bit more bases, but like when you when you look at the the roster up and down, you don't see a whole lot of speed. So that kind of makes sense for why their stolen bases numbers are down. Yeah, maybe the worst thing in all of sports injuries. It's just it's so heartbreaking yep. and frustrating too to to see such great talents, and it happens in every sport every year. It will always happen. It's just part of the game, but see such great talents kind of go so untapped because they just can't string enough games together and and put that body of work you know together consistently for a long enough period of time and you know nobody's harder on himself than Buxton is so uh certainly mm -hmm. prayers up for him hopefully yeah hopefully it's just Absolutely. a couple of days maybe 10 15 they certainly need him coming up we're getting into our give me one segment Reggie's gonna give me one
one Kirk Cousins stat line for the 2022 season. Remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives us a sports anchor's perspective on superior sports talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcasts and drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Reggie, the 2022 NFL season on the horizon. Vikings over under win totals at eight and a half. Odds to win the Super Bowl sitting at a juicy 25 to one. And you can find mm. all these odds and more with Bet Online, betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all the latest lines and future bets and more. Find all your favorite sports and events with Bet Online, the number one source for all your betting needs, stats, news, and info. Bet Online makes betting easy. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, time has come. One of my new favorite segments called Gimme One. I'm going to throw out a Viking topics to Reggie. He's going to give me his first response that comes to mind. Quick explanation. Let's jump right into it. Here we go. Reg, give me one reason to still support the NFL preseason format. We've already seen it drop from four games to three. Just feels like we may be on the way out altogether five, ten years from now. I can't give you one. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got nothing. I, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I that's, think that's all. That's, I think yeah. what's cool is you know we see the production from a guy like T. Y. McGill, and you're just like, wow, like that's a cool story, you know. And so you mm -hmm. you see the preseason for guys like that, and sometimes practice reps are just a little bit different than game reps, you know. Like not that guys aren't going out there and doing their thing, but you know sometimes in games, you know, things happen. And, you know, the ball is a little bit fortuitous. You know, sometimes a, a, a play might find its way to you. And not saying that it can't happen in practice, but sometimes, you know, I think if they had maybe one or two preseason games, that would be okay. But we saw during the pandemic, like, they didn't have any. And that season still went off without a hitch. It was one of the best NFL seasons that we've seen. And so I think that's okay if they don't have – uh, a preseason, especially when you look at, man, they filled up the U.S. Bank Stadium uh, this past weekend. There was not a starter in sight. 27 guys that they had not playing uh, for the Vikings against the 49ers. Fans are getting out there getting Kellen Mond and, and his low passer rating in one quarter, getting Sean Mannion and his low passer rating. Well, I guess his passer rating wasn't all that bad, but he didn't really do anything that that really was exciting in the game as well. Like, what are the fans paying to see? They, I guess, just a fun environment seeing the guys in purple play again. You know that. I guess that's the fun of it. But like, when you look at it, it's 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 almost just a money grab, and it's it's sad to say for us too that it just makes us feel you know mm -hmm. cheap, if you will. Like, hey man, yeah, whatever dirty. product they put dirty. out there. Yeah, whatever yeah. product they put out there, we're going to pay to watch it. And it's just like, look, we yeah. deserve better. I want better for us, you know? Yeah. We're like that yeah. that in that abusive relationship where all the friends <laughs> is like, girl, leave him. Leave him. He don't deserve you. And it's just like, we just, we're like, okay, yeah, okay. And then they sprinkle a little bit of football in our face and we're just like, ooh, 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 and you he's know, changed. the cycle just he's keeps changed. Going. Yeah, he, no, girl, look, because you don't see the the Vikings that I see. You don't see the team that I see. 
they're different. And the friend is just like, girl, no, they're not. Same purple. It's the same purple. You can wait. Oh, my god. You gosh. can wait. And so I think that's that's one of the things, like I said, the 2020 season, we didn't see any preseason games, and that season was still awesome. So, like, and, and, and with comments that Kevin O'Connell is making, like, yeah, we saw enough from the team in practice. We were comfortable with what we saw from the team that we didn't need to see them in a game scenario. And it's just like, well, if you're saying that, then what? Like, you're telling on yourself, brother. Like, maybe they don't need preseason games. Yeah, and remember Aaron Rodgers in a little, uh, you know, locker room press conference said, "I we get more out of these practices than we do the preseason games." I'm just letting you know mm-hmm. that's just how it is too. So definitely some sprinkles, some quotes from both players and coaches throughout this offseason and preseason that's just starting to glean that maybe they would rather do that as well. And let's be real, you, you touched on it. It's a business, NFL. Yeah, it's an industry. It's worth over ten billion dollars. The owners. Uh, they make no money on these preseason games. I know you said they sold out at the bank, but that's just one team, one game, and they still they can't charge as much as well either. So, you know, right. they want more regular season games where they can sell out 64,000-seat stadiums. And the players don't want to risk their health or injury getting hurt in a no. meaningless preseason game. Happens every year. Andrew Booth Jr. last Saturday. Zach Wilson with a big scare. J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL last preseason. I think very mm-hmm. quickly you'll see them drop down to two preseason games and then we'll sit there for about a couple years and then maybe you might see it drop down even further you know five years from that and they do more things like joint practices etc into the Mm -hmm. mix still feels like you're getting those reps against different opponents that's just my best educated guess anyways next one up reggie give me one kirk cousin stat line you're predicting for this 2022 season what do you got one kirk cousin stat line i'm gonna go 35 touchdowns 35 touchdowns. Now, now that how about that? How, now that we're on the topic and the doors cracked open, how many yards you got him going for? How many yards? Oh, it's gonna be four thousand plus. I think it's gonna be four thousand plus. They're gonna throw this thing around. So article just came out this morning from the athletic. The Vikings love KJ Osborne and see a big role for him in 2022. And so what I have long said is that the Vikings are going to have three receivers over a thousand yards. And so if you have that type of production from the top three, and then you bring in a tight end like Irv Smith Jr., if he's healthy, you know, Kirk Cousins loves the tight end. I was watching the preseason game yesterday, the Falcons and the Jets. Saw Tyler Conklin over there in that green. And I'm just like, dang, what happened? Kirk's probably like watching longingly, just like, I miss you, you know? And so I think with Kirk loving to spread the ball around like he does, like I don't see how, you know, he doesn't light up the the stat lines this uh, this season. With J.J. primed to have a big season as he wants to and Thielen bouncing back, uh, still very, very productive receiver in this league. And then the emergence of K.J. Osborne, and we're not even talking about any of the other guys like, you know, B.C. Johnson or, you know, Jalen Naylor or any of Irv those. They, they just let go. Coming back. Yeah, they just yeah. let go Albert Wilson yesterday. So he's not going to be mm-hmm. in the mix. But, you know, all these guys, you know, Amir Smith-Marset, he figures to have a, a, a role in some way. Like, not even talking about those guys, he's going to have so many options to spread the ball around to. And I just don't see how he doesn't go off. It might take him a second. You know, they're still trying to get acclimated to this offense. He might make a few mistakes early on. 
But I think when this season is all said and done, you're looking at one of the best statistical seasons of Kirk Cousins' career. Yeah, we always tie everything back to the Rams, what they do with McVay, what they do with Stafford. Stafford last year, almost 4,900 yards, 41 TDs, 7 mm -hmm. picks, 17 interceptions, excuse me. I think Cousins is going to throw the most interceptions he's ever thrown, which actually doesn't say a lot. He's only really? thrown 13 twice in 10 years. I think he throws about 15, 16 interceptions. I also think he has the most yards he's ever thrown and the most touchdowns. I think he's going for 45 touch and 4,800 yards, Ooh, if not even 5,000, man. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's Ooh. what it all comes down to, Reg. What does this defense look like? Are we in a bunch of mm -hmm. shootouts are we in a bunch of who oh, can gotcha. score last, who's got the ball last, 38 to 45 kind of games? Or is this defense, figure it out pretty early, get their communication and alignments, everything else, right out the gate and can kind of hold their own? That's going to be the difference. I suspect in a new defense, it may take them five, six, seven weeks to really get comfortable and get that mm -hmm. chemistry and timing together down. And I think you could see a lot of shootouts early. And this offense is certainly capable, I think, going step for step, blow for blow, who's got the ball last kind of thing. And Kirk Cousins, you just mentioned all the weapons. We talk about Stafford having Cooper Cup, Robert Woods there for a little bit, Odell Beckham Jr., I think Justin Jefferson's a better weapon than Cooper Cup. I really do. And I think Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne and Irv Smith and a running game to balance the whole thing out and give you passing windows and things like that, like Dalvin Cook, like we talked about. I just think it's a better mm -hmm. offense all the way around. I really do. So we'll get into yep. it. We'll see. Plenty of more Kirk Cousins discussion as we continue 15 days before NFL season week one kicks off. And you will see Matt Stafford that day as the Buffalo Bills travel to the Rams, LA, for week one to kick off that NFL season on Thursday night. That's a wrap today. Back tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which, by the way, you can now find streaming on your Roku device, so be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and take us everywhere on the go. That's the legend right there, Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson. And TV and on CARE 11. He's going to be out at the Minnesota State Fair this week as well. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow. Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing off. Be blessed. Spread love today.